awesome. I'm so excited to have my mom here. Yay. That's awesome. Very exciting. Welcome, mother. Good. <laughs> yeah. First time visitors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, we're just going to continue kind of what we've been sharing. Actually, before we start, I want to do the extra rose because I want to do be immediate obedience to that. So why don't we just, we have chairs right there. Why don't we go get the chairs and we're going to set that up. The recorded s recording started, right, babe? So my mom got a word during service. Uh, she saw that we need to have one extra row set up here. So um, in faith that there are more people coming. So we had three rows of six on each side, and now we're putting up a fourth row, just immediate obedience to a word of the Lord. I'd come help, but it looks like you guys are done already. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> nice. Looks great. So we've been talking about um, revival and prayer, right? Two weeks ago, we talked about revival and prayer. Then last week, we talked about faith producing obedience. So even during service last week, that was what Marie got was the Valentine's Day dinner. And we want to be immediately, immediately obedient. <laughs> immediately. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be immediately obediently. So we want to be immediately obedient to the things that God's saying because we want to be exercising our faith and saying, God, we believe you're speaking to us. And when one of us hears something, we're all as a community going to back that up because we believe. We believe that we as a community hear from God. We believe that the spirit of God lives in each one of us is directing our steps, is directing us as a community. And that's why we're so we take times every week to say, what is God saying right here, right now? And that's why we want it to continue to be this free place that even during a message, you hear something, you feel something. We want to hear from everybody because the church is not just about one person preaching, right? It's about a community of believers coming together to share what God is speaking. And if one person has a specific message, that's awesome and good and, and is, you know, happened biblically. But we want everyone has the spirit of God inside of them. And we never want to limit God to say he can only speak through one. He, we want it to be like, no, we're all here together. We're all hearing. We're all listening. And God's speaking. He's touching each person and giving a word. This entire week, I didn't write anything down for a message, but I was it was so heavy in my heart. And this morning I woke up and wrote the whole thing in like two minutes because I, I've been thinking and praying about it for this whole week. And it's about the gospel message because I've been thinking we're preparing for harvest, right? We're preparing for souls because we believe that God is going to come and his presence is going to draw people in. And those that are lost are going to get saved. Those that are captive are going to be set free. And that's like a very exciting thought. Um, but what gets them there? It's the gospel message. And it's very important for us to understand what is the gospel message? And 
it's interesting because we'd think like, oh, oh, I know the gospel message. Like, I've been a Christian for so long. But sometimes, especially in our culture, and we talked about that a few weeks ago, how much our culture influences our faith, right? And we've got to separate. We've got to learn to separate and allow the Bible to even cut through cultural things that have, you know, tainted even the the message of the gospel. Um, so the gospel is a key, is key because it's foundational. Whatever a person hears first and receives as that message is going to be what they build their faith upon, right? It makes sense. You, this is what I hear the gospel to be about. Therefore, I'm going to build the rest of my salvation on this message. So it's crucial, it's vital, it's important that we get the message right. What is this message about? And to be honest, I think in Western culture, and maybe worldwide, but I haven't been a ton of places, Western culture, the message has become so self-centered. It's all about what God can do for you, right? Oh, the gospel is... God's going to do this, 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 and this for you. And it's a personal message because he loves you. And, and all those things are very true. But where do you find it biblically? And that's what we want to be grounded on is a Bible, a biblical definition of the gospel. What were they preaching to the lost? What was the essence of their message and why? Because that's the important part, too. We have to understand why they were preaching what they were preaching. So... The first time that the gospel gets preached to the Gentiles is in Acts chapter 10. And you'll, you remember this story with Cornelius and Peter, right? Peter's in the house. He's praying in the third hour of the day or whatever hour of the day it was. He's up praying, and he get, goes into a trance, and he sees angels bringing down a sheet with four-legged creatures and all the creatures that crawled on the ground or whatever, which he was not allowed to eat as a Jew. That was against their law. And he's commanded by God to eat, to kill and eat. And Peter says, no, I cannot do that. I've never eaten anything unclean. The trance happened, that vision happened three times. And Peter says, here's the Lord, says the same thing. I can't. Because it was so, I mean, that's a heavy thing. They had been following the law. The law is what made them righteous before Jesus came, right? Even though it couldn't. And Peter, on the third time, hears, and he says, it says, um, again, a voice came to him, and this is verse 15, a second time, what God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. So he was using the example of the food, but what was happening? Cornelius had a vision at the same time. And God said to Cornelius, send your people to get Peter, and he's going to tell you who I am. So Cornelius's men are uh, coming to get Peter, and Peter's having this vision, and then comes out of the trance, and Cornelius's men are downstairs waiting for him. And God speaks to Peter and says, go downstairs. These men I have sent. Go with them. So Peter, long story short, he goes with the men. He says, God has told me I'm supposed to go with you. What's going on? So they arrive at Cornelius' house. And Cornelius, a Gentile. So Gentiles were not allowed to be saved. They were not the people of God. They were like the evil, sinful people back then, right? 
Cornelius, in faith, invites his whole family and all of his friends over to his house because he says, something's coming today. Kind of like that woman, right, who believed for a revival and built, built wooden benches in her home because she said, something's coming. Well, Cornelius, in the same way, he heard something from God who he did not know, and he calls his entire family and all his friends to come fill his house because he said, something's coming. This message is coming. Peter shows up and says, your ha prayer has been heard before God. And your alms, which is your giving towards the poor, which is really interesting, your alms have been remembered by God. This is verse 32. I mean, 34. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. Right? Don't call unclean what I've called holy. That's what Jesus had, or God had just spoken to Peter through the vision. So he's understanding it's about the Gentiles. We call them unholy, but God is saying they are cleansed. But in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. So Peter goes on to preach the gospel, and this is the first time that it's preached to the Gentiles. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. We are witnesses of all these things. He did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all people, but to witnesses who were chosen before by beforehand by God, that is, us, who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he, he, meaning Jesus, ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly testify that he is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. They were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Surely, then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay for a few days. Now, that's a very interesting gospel message. When you heard the gospel message, did it sound like that? Nope. Not even close. Maybe the part about Jesus dying for our sins. Right? That he came and he is the one. Every time that Peter and Paul preach the gospel in the New Testament, if you look at every single example that they preach, the, the point of it, the, per the focus of their message is Jesus, who he is, and his work. It is focused completely on the person and the work of Jesus. 
100%. This is who Jesus is. This is why he came. This is what he did. And then the result of that is the forgiveness of your sins. The major difference here is because it's Christ-centered, the message is Christ-centered. It's about who he is as eternal God. He's the judge of the living and the dead, the Alpha and Omega, king of all kings. It's declaring who he is, that he came, as was prophesied throughout all of history, that he would come. He came to fulfill the promise, again, who he is, the work that he did, to die on a cross, but he was raised by God again, and the result of that is our forgiveness of sins. The, so it produces in us this focus, wow, I am undeserving. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, he did what for me? It's Christ-centered. So then we have a choice. That lo lost person has a choice. Are you going to submit yourself to the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life? Give your life to him. My mom read the scripture that said there were many that came up with many excuses. And I was thinking of that scripture this morning with this. So many times people hear the gospel or a message and they say, no, it's too much. Because what did Jesus say when he was with the disciples? When he called his disciples, what did he say? Leave everything, follow me. Simple. Simple gospel. Leave everything, follow me. Pick up your cross, follow me. Deny yourself, follow me. Because I love you? Yes. Was that all the motivation? That's who he is? But the fact is, when we preach a self-centered gospel where it's like, don't worry, God loves you, and that's why he came, was just for you, he came just for you, that person's going to become a self-centered Christian because they heard a self-centered gospel, and then Christianity will always be about them from that moment on. Do you understand? That's a, that's a hard thing to say. Are you hearing me? If you preach a self-centered gospel, you will be discipling and raising self-centered Christians who believe that Christianity is all about them. We need to be preaching a Christ-centered gospel that says he is love, yes. It's because for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? But the, the, the whole point of this message is that Jesus, like Tommy was saying, he left all of his worship, that night and day worship, he left it all for us. That should bring us to a place of humble surrender to who he is. That would bring us to a place of saying, yes, I don't want, I'm going to leave everything else behind and follow you. But because we make it self-centered and all about the individual, then that person says, it's all about me. And when things aren't going my way, then I'm saying, God, why don't you love me? Why don't you care about me anymore? Me, me, me. The church was mean to me. So I'm going to be on my own with Jesus because Jesus loves me. The reason why people can say that phrase, I'm going to just have my personal relationship with Jesus, is because the message that was preached to them was a self-centered gospel. So they've taken that message and now say, I can be just me with Jesus. 
which was not even the purpose of that message in the first place. Peter says to them, preaches the message, they receive it and immediately get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he's like, whoa, the Holy Spirit just came. They're speaking in tongues. These people were called unclean by the people of God. Wow, God's broken every barrier. We must baptize them. What did baptism mean back then? Baptism was very symbolic in their culture, and it wasn't just for Christianity. It was used for uh, other religions as well. But the symbolism of baptism was, number one, just like Jesus said, you're being baptized with me in death and resurrected to new life, symbolic. You're dying with me, you're rising with me. You're dying to your old life, you're rising to new life. But there was a second meaning symbolically of baptism and that was that you were being baptized into a new community because back then you, when you were baptized you were saying I'm giving up my whole old way of life and culture and now I'm being recognized as part of a different group of people for us that's the church when they did it back then when they were baptized back then it was a public display saying, I am no longer part of this culture, I'm part of this group. And I'm going to act and look like them, I'm going to be like them, because we are a community. Now that is not preached about baptism either. But the fact is, we preach a self-centered message, we preach a self-centered baptism, and then create self-centered Christians, and then wonder why the church is a mess. We have our message completely wrong. It must be centered on the person and the work of Jesus. And it's not uh, it's not meant to be a legalistic thing of like, okay, you got to preach this, 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 and this, right? That's not what we're saying here. We're talking about content. Salvation is also a process of working out your salvation, and you you go through a process, people go through a process of coming to the understanding of who Jesus is, right? So it's not that you necessarily, sometimes it may be that you go up and you preach that thing. And because God's anointing's on it, in the moment that person's ready, you're going to reap the harvest right there. That's not always how it happens. Sometimes one preaches one part and another preaches the other. That's why we're led by the Spirit as well. But the point of it all, you're getting the point, it must be Christ-centered. It can't be this is about you. It's about something much bigger than just the individual. <laughs> and that's a beautiful part of the gospel. Some people say, oh, that's so harsh. Aren't we supposed to be saying it is about the individual? It's like, oh, my gosh, if I knew that this is about, like, his kingdom coming to earth, this worldwide dominion of the king of kings and lord of lords, and he's going to come through his church, and he's gathering his people, and someone's preaching the gospel to me so that I can be part of a family that is worldwide, that's in every nation, and that will be in every tr nation, tribe, and tongue, and I get to stand with this community to declare his greatness in the earth? Whoa! That's awesome. I would say, heck, yes, invite me in. I want that purpose. 
That seems like something I can live for. Oh, it's not me just on my own. It's me as part of a worldwide community of believers that are giving their lives unto death because of Jesus. This is essential for us to realize. Maybe we were preached a self-centered gospel and has created self-centered thoughts about Christianity in our minds that we need to be exposed by truth and then say, okay, I've been thinking a little wrong because the gospel is preached. And that's okay. You know what I mean? We're, we're all growing. We're all in process. So it's not like it's better late than never, right? <laughs> right now we allow God to wash us. Every week we're allowing God to wash our minds, to renew us, to give us greater understanding. I'm going to give an illustration. Um, can I have two pens? Do two people have pens? Or Okay, so this is this is a cool ins- illustration that I saw years ago and that so impacted me that I love it so much and share it sometimes when talking about the gospel message. So, so many times when we've heard the gospel message, this is what we have. This is my life and this is the life of Jesus because this is big and blue and awesome. <laughs> and this is plain and gray and black. So this is my life, this is the life of Jesus. When we preach the gospel, we say, Just ask Jesus into your life, and you'll be saved. Ask him into your heart, right? Uh, Pray this prayer, which is never in the Bible, by the way. Just copy this prayer, repeat after me, and you will be saved. That never happened, ever. Okay, so somehow, I, I know we sometimes, like, because someone doesn't know how to pray, we could help someone along but we've made it something legalistic, right? Like, and now just repeat after me, and you'll be saved. You'll be safe from hell, basically, is the message. You don't want to go to hell, right? So, so we say, invite Jesus into your life, and then you're saved. There's a big problem with this. Number one, this is not the gospel. There's never anything in here that says invite Jesus into your life. Because what that means then for this person is I still have my life and all I've did was add to it. I've added church, I've added Bible study, I've added some religious activities and now I'm a Christian. But the fact is they never gave their life to the Lord. So unfortunately they've heard a false gospel and maybe, I mean, God can use whatever, but they've heard something that's self-centered. So now they've just added things to their life It's not Christ-centered, it's added. They still have their own life and therefore make their own choices. They're not surrendered, they're not submitted. Where the true gospel is, give up your old life and receive the life of Jesus and become a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Now everything you do and say and live for is Christ. You're not your own anymore. You've been bought with a price. The old life is gone. The new life has come. It's not just added activities. It's now that my life fully, 100%, is belonging to Christ. So everything I say and do and the way that I live, every action that I take is motivated, led by the Spirit of Christ within me. I've died to my old life. That is the gospel. Christ-centered. 
leave everything and follow me. And I want us as a community to be so grounded in this truth that we would not be ashamed of the gospel, which is the power of Christ. Right? That's what Romans says. Let us not be, uh, Romans 1.16, do not be ashamed of this gospel, which is the power of God unto those who believe. We can't be ashamed of it or dumb it down or dull it down. We have to tell the gospel as it is. Give up your life. It's worth it. You're going to be in this new family set free because of what Christ has done, because of who he is. He was before all things, and he will be at the end of all things. The culmination of all things is Christ. Be welcomed into newness of life in him where the old is gone and the new has come, and it's not just an added Sunday service to your life. We need to be preaching this gospel and then not offended by it or not ashamed by it if someone says no and makes up a lot of excuses why they can't. We need not bend the gospel or change the gospel to try to coerce people in it because if they can be convinced to become a Christian, they could probably be convinced to stop being a Christian. If we don't give this message... They won't be grounded in that truth that's unshakable, that says, yes, I've given it all. Just like in persecuted countries, when they give their life to the Lord, they're expecting already to be killed. They're saying, because, you know, some countries are closed countries, if they find out you've become a Christian, you will be killed. So when someone preaches the gospel, they're like, and by the way, you'll be killed, outcast by your family. You want in? In Western culture, we're like, oh, no, you don't have to do anything. Just pray after me. Let me get you the easiest in possible so that you don't go to hell. But we're, we're really, we're like diminishing the gospel so much. And then we wonder why the church isn't reigning in power with Christ. Because we haven't preached that message. So, I mean, that is the what has been burning in my heart this week is that we would be so grounded in the, the truth of this message and that we would not be ashamed of it, that we ourselves would live it, this fully dedicated, given life unto God, Christ in all. All that we are is Christ. His life is in us. Our old life, that's a dead man right there, and we keep killing it. We keep letting this beautiful blue life of Christ, fat too. It, it's because it's full. That thing's skinny and black and gray. This is fat and blue and and bulk. Yeah, exactly. It's it's awesome. Like I like this pen, but yeah, <laughs> but it's such it's such a cool representation too. This is so much better. Do not diminish the gospel and don't be ashamed of what the gospel is because it is the power of God to those who believe. And if someone rejects it, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting him. And then we pray. We pray and we pray. And as souls are coming in, we're going to give that message. We're going to give this message. We're not going to give a message of, oh, it's just a simple prayer. 
pray quick. I've even heard that, pray quick with me. It's almost like if this moment passes, they're going to reject it. No, I want, I want people convinced, like, yes, I'm giving my life. I'm going to end with a story. I'll put that there, too. I'm going to end with a story from Brazil. I would, we would go on missions trip to Brazil every year, and we would go and set up a big, like, music and sound or whatever at, at one of the worst streets in the city that we stayed in. There were brothels up and down the streets. There's addicts, people using Dark Street. And we would set up right in the middle of it and worship and praise, testify, do dramas. And I remember one uh, of those nights we were there, and it just felt so dark. You know, there was such a heaviness there. And we were doing a drama that, you know, God creates this girl, and I was the girl in the drama, and then she gets, like, tormented by demons, pretty much like we're born, and then we're born into sin. So then we have, we're in this captivity and there was a bunch of guys who had come and circled around because it was mostly guys there from the brothel that were going to visit the brothels. And they circled around to see it. And I remember seeing this one man standing there, and he was so broken as he saw me being tormented. I mean, these pr- pretend demons were throwing me on the ground, and I'm like slamming. I, I bled sometimes because <laughs> of the drama because I wanted to make it so real. You know, like this is really what happens. We get beat up by the enemy before we know Christ. And then Jesus comes in and rescues me and makes me new again, and it's new life, right? The drama ends. Halfway through the, the thing, the guy falls onto his face and is weeping, weeping. We finish the drama. I go right over to him. And all before we could say anything, he says, what must I do to be saved? The power of the gospel. He saw it through a drama that there was this tormentor, and Jesus came in broke through, and he wasn't any, I did not have to convince him that he needed God. He knew in himself his need for God, and it brought him to his knees, and he's sobbing before all these other men saying, what must I do to be saved? And we prayed with him. He gave his life to the Lord. We had him pray and give his life to the Lord. And that was it. They would say, connect with the church, get get into a local body, get connected. That's the kind of salvation we want to see, where someone is fully convinced by the Holy Spirit, by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, not by our words, not by how we can convince them. We have the responsibility, preach the gospel, that's it. The Holy Spirit brings the conviction, and when it's real conviction at the right moment, that person's saying, I'm giving it all. I mean, do you remember the moment you got saved? I'm giving it all. I'm giving up my addictions. I'm giving up my past life. I'm giving it all. And then there's a process. You work it out, right? So let's stand together as a community and preach the gospel to people in your workplaces Like my mom was saying, like you're reaching out. She said, we got to take that word that she got from the Lord. Let's stretch out our tent pegs. Where are we preaching the gospel? Where are we sharing the message in your workplaces to the people that come? Let's not be ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for those who believe. Amen. So, Lord, I pray that today that you would ground us so 
deeply. And if if we need more understanding, Father, I pray that you would give it to us each as we read your word, as we study, that we would have greater understanding of what the message is, what you want to get across, what you're trying to say. Power to break through darkness. I pray that for Terry, that Marie would be so filled with the the message of the gospel that Terry could no longer be self-centered, but it would be breakthrough for her. That she would say, God is above all, he's in all, and the conviction of the Spirit would be in her so deeply unto repentance, fully giving her life. I pray that, God, that even today, while you're in the car, that something would bubble out of Marie, as you've done so many times before. She's filled with your Spirit. Do it, God. Let it bubble out of her.